I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Ed Fuller, author and hospitality industry leader. His book is You Can't Lead With Your Feet on the Desk, Building Relationships, Breaking Down Barriers, and Delivering Profits. With America's summer vacation spending expected to hit a record $101.7 billion this year, according to a new report from Alliance Global Assistance, travelers are looking for the best ways to stretch their dollar and still go on the exotic vacation of their dreams. Former President and Managing Director of Marriott International, Ed Fuller, offers tips on how to afford safe accommodations at an exotic destination without breaking the bank. Additionally, his book delivers valuable lessons to anyone who has to deal with people on a daily basis, especially those in the hospitality or business industries. He's the president of Lugana Strategic Advisors, a director of the Federal Bureau of Investigators National Academy Associates Foundation, and is regularly featured in Forbes. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on today. Glad to be here, Catherine. Okay, so where should we start? I mean, you've had a lot of, what, decades in the business. You've, uh, international travel. You were with the Marriott. But, uh, today we're going to really talk, I guess, about specifically with people. I was really surprised to see that statistic spending $101.7 billion this year on traveling. So, I guess the question to you is we want to do it if we're going to spend all that money and we're going to go to exotic places and we are going to travel and you're the expert on traveling. How do we do it? How do we navigate traveling globally? What do we do? People, uh, because I guess there are lots of little, um, uh, lots of things that we need to know before we start these kinds of trips. Well, number one, um, very few Americans travel overseas when you consider that less than 30% of America has passports. And uh, so when you're talking about domestic travel, uh, the uh, domestic travel today is at a peak because fuel has been reasonably priced, and uh, you're talking about great destinations throughout the United States. I am a proponent, obviously, of traveling around the world. I I try to encourage people that there is so much to see out there, so many locations. Obviously, I had the benefit of visiting 150 countries, working hands-on in 73, but it is the opportunity to meet people in other countries, learn about other cultures, which really, to me, sets aside an opportunity that people could really grow in and also helps to build understanding of other cultures. So I am a big proponent of global travel as well as domestic. Yeah, I am too, and I think for all the reasons you just mentioned. But let's maybe step back. You said only about a th- only a third of Americans have a passport. Why do you think that is? I mean, what do you think holds them back from, say, is it the finances from traveling globally and like just stay sticking to the United States and or maybe Canada? But is it fear? Uh, you know, you know, just sort of fear of the unknown. Um, what do you think some of the reasons are that people don't travel abroad? Well, over over my lifetime, I until the military took me overseas, I really didn't even think about overseas. I was focused in my own backyard. 
we're now 50 years later, and we still have a lot of people that are just satisfied with their own backyard, where we've got a great country here. And quite frankly, there's just not that interest, uh, which astounds me because that number has grown to 30%. And I think it's also the fact that most people uh, were not traveling. Now, with some of the discounts and things that are available to people, more people are traveling, but it's going to somewhere that is unknown. Uh, the Caribbean, Mexico, and Canada are right next door. But when you think about going to a country like Thailand or Indonesia or even uh, going into the Middle East, people have trepidations and concerns that really should not be stopping them from the experience, but it does. Don't you think that traveling, and I too haven't, I haven't traveled to as many countries as you, but I've traveled all over the world and in every state, um, I think it's sort of like education. If you just take a risk and maybe go to perhaps a state that you're maybe uncomfortable going to or doing something or it's sort of like risk-taking that maybe you take the next step and the next step. Travel is kind of like it's elementary school, middle school, high school, and then college, and then get your Ph.D. But it, it's sort of a step-by-step process for a lot of people. Uh, very well said. And it's important that you, if you have the interest, that you understand the history behind that location you're visiting. Because history really tells us about the culture of the people, even within the United States, the difference of Alaska and how we live maybe in the lower 48, uh, the difference between Hawaii. Hawaii has very rich history and the 48. And of course, even within the 48 states, we have several areas. I live in Southern California where the Spanish mission culture was the, it was established long before uh, we became America. And that history helps you get excited about what has gone on in these various areas and take that out of the United States and you wind up with going to China with 4,000, 5,000 years of history, or even Egypt with similar backgrounds, Greece and Rome. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think uh, it's also easy to access the information you're talking about because we have the Internet. I mean, before you go anywhere, you can spend a half an hour and, and go through a whole history of, of what's happening, you know, in in the history of the countries that you're you're visiting, um, besides also getting being prepared, I think that's one of the things that you also talk about. If you are traveling internationally, you should be prepared in terms of uh, you know what hotel you're staying at, uh, you know where the embassies are, all of those kind of specific kinds of things, and it also I think ha- helps to mitigate the fear factor, but. Um, so maybe we can talk about some of those things. Like, let's say you do decide to go to China. Well, number one is that uh, some travelers want to go on escorted tours when they are uncomfortable and in going into a new area. And that simplifies uh, the situation uh, considerably because the company that coordinates that escorted tour uh, takes care of all of those concerns and outlines them per se. Uh, if you're, uh, if you've got a little more, uh, say, adventuresome in you, 
you're going to take off on your own, and then you touched on three or four of the basics. Number one, um, and the State Department has a tremendous backlog of information on every country, which you can read up on, which will give you a very clear understanding of the risks, if there are any, or the lack of risks, if there are any, when you're entering a country. And when I traveled on business, my company, Marriott, had a research document always prepared to tell us what was going on in that country, especially if it was not one of the 73 we were working in, uh, so that we could evaluate exactly what was going on around us. And it includes information on the embassy and the location. I'm a proponent, obviously, and uh, shamelessly of staying in a branded company hotel that uh, you can relate to. And so any of your uh, American brands at least are used to dealing with Americans, even though you might be in the most remote Mongolian uh, city, uh, and at least you have some level of contact or context when you're in one of those hotels. As you become more adventuresome and work, I liked your analogy of a PhD, then you should have all those basics out of the way, and now you can really start to get out, meet the people, understand the culture, and really get the richness of travel. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think there are so many opportunities to do the uh, you touched on that, the kinds of travel. You know, you can travel with a, a college group. You can travel with an all-women's group. You can travel. There's just a whole myriad of different kinds of trips you can take. And, yes, staying at a hotel that you recognize, Marriott for one, um, makes it a, a lot easier and, and helps people to feel more comfortable. I think one of the things, and I don't know if you've mentioned this, but now on you know on Google they ha- with uh, Google Translators, uh, which you can have on your iPhone or your iPad, it makes it really easy to get around in any country, in, all, in any language. I mean, if you use that, you have your own interpreter right in your hand, um, and it makes it it's um, very simple. It does help. It's not a perfect translation all the time, but for the basics that you need, it works extremely well. I wouldn't want to try to negotiate a a contract with Google. No. (laughs) I'm talking about a pleasure trip, right? Just so kind of the basic stuff that you really need. Yeah. Exactly. I I mean, I had an experience, this is 20 years ago in in St. Petersburg in Russia with a friend, and we found ourselves being followed by someone and sort of he was not harassing us, but it was a little bit scary. And suddenly I looked around. We did not have a Google translator, obviously, and we couldn't, we, there was no way we could understand any, the map because it was all in Russian. And so with all the signs and it was got a little bit frightening. And the one thing, which sort of relates back to getting to something that you, you recognize, I see this big shamrock on the top of a restaurant. And I said, I think that's an Irish pub. We have to go in there. I think somebody will be able to speak English. And we walked in and sure enough, there are these university students at the bar. They spoke English. They told us where we needed to go. And um, yeah, it was kind of like that shining beam (laughs) of light. But it, you know, that's, that was, um, that was very helpful. 
And uh, that was so very adventurous 20 years ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We definitely didn't have access to the, uh, I didn't have the cell phone that I have today, right? So, but yeah. We, so you come you back suggest? from travel with many, many rewards. And while, while the, uh, you can't lead with the book on your, uh, with your feet on the desk book is about working on relationships in the business world and uh, working on culture. It is the cultures that you really get personal reward from when you can really understand the differences because I'd like to use the term, it's a smorgasbord of different cultures out there. And if you've chosen to visit one, you you not only get the richness of understanding the people, but you also get the richness of understanding what they have available. Now, there there are those areas that people get concerned about, the security and the like, and, which you raised, <coughs> excuse me, earlier. Um, but and I just wrote another book called the the Red Hotel which is a novel, which is more about things that you need to be concerned about on safety and security on travel. But it's a novel, and it's more of a fun read uh, adventure. But when you do travel, when you see something, you've got to be able to not just see it. You need to relate to the people around you and talk to people about what you've seen and make sure that if you see something that's unsafe, you step into the Irish pub. And those things do occur, but that's where the embassy becomes tremendously important and the like, or the hotel that you've chosen, who, where you have professionals who have dealt with travel and the various things around you. The main thing, though, is that most of the places you go most of the people that travel and the hundreds of millions of people that are traveling, there are very few incidents. They're the ones that show up on TV. And quite frankly, you get into a car, you're in more danger than traveling to St. Petersburg. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I... I just wonder, when I've traveled to, I'm thinking about Southeast Asia, I think one of the things that I do is I'm always, and I know, obviously, you, you want to know where the embassy is, but don't you want to also know where the hospitals are? Like, And that's easy also to find out. And, you know, they'll you list online hospitals that are private hospitals, public hospitals, hospitals, that, government hospitals that maybe in those countries, um, that that's a good idea to have that information before you go? It's a good idea, but it's also a good idea when you're in your hotel to ask that same question, uh, because there's also a quality issue of hospitals. Uh, in The interesting thing is in Thailand, one of the best hospitals in the world, well-renowned, is located there, and uh, the service is spectacular, the quality of the medical staff is spectacular. Uh, you will find certain areas where you've got exceptional. You'll also find clinics made for Americans. Uh, there's one in Shanghai operated by rotating staff of university uh, folks from the U.S. I had to go in uh, for a problem with the foot, 
and I found that the doctor taking care of me was on rotation from Boston University where I went to the school. And uh, so there are those clinics too, and quite frankly, the, the hotel ex- staff knows where those are, and that's the first place to go for that question so that you get the right quality. I think one of the things about travel, uh, which you started to talk about, and I, I think this, and I'll, get, I'll ask the question. I think the more one travels and travels internationally, particularly, uh, it gives, and you have a sense of of different cultures. I think it helps to really bring people together. It's a real positive thing for, you know, I don't want to, you know, worldwide peace. That's a, maybe a little over the top, but it, it really does when you make those kinds of connections with, which I think is part of what you write about in your book as well. Um, it, it, it changes not only you, but it changes your whole community. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. To me, that's the one thing that helps you understand people from around the world, and quite frankly, it is that understanding their cultures and spending time with them. Uh, I teach three classes at University of California, Irvine, two of them are on global management, and we spend a great deal of time on how to reach out and spend time understanding the culture, because it can be the number one block doing business uh, in that country, <clears throat> or it can get you a faster trail if you spend the time being sensitive and understanding culture. And frankly, if you find a destination that you'd like to return to uh, numerous times, you have the opportunity to build a relationship of trust with people in that culture, that's when it really gets rich and exciting for people to visit other countries. Can you share with us maybe one or more of perhaps one of some of the faux pas that you made maybe early on when you were trying to do business in other countries and you weren't sensitive perhaps to what the cultural differences were and how you can blow the whole, as you say, I mean, you can blow the whole deal if, if you're not. Um, well, a good example is that contracts in China, you do two contracts in China. And uh, we had done our first hotel in China, and it had taken a long time to build. And so I had had several lunches and dinners with the owner of that hotel uh, that we were building. It's called Tomorrow Square. It's a very large hotel in downtown Shanghai. And our GM made a severe mistake, and to keep the story short, I won't go into it, but quite frankly, he made a $300 uh, error in uh, judgment, which uh, we had to terminate him on because it was, uh, by our standard, illegal, though he was a fabulous GM up to that point. And uh, about six months later, our lawyers came back and said, we made an error. The English translation of our contract is a 10-year contract, and I'm sorry, the U.S. version was a 30-year contract. The Chinese version was a 10-year. That oversight represented $40 million to the company. We went to Shanghai, sat down with the owner, and the owner said, you know, I never thought you would fire that GM for such a minor thing. 
But at that point, I knew I could trust you, not totally me personally, the company, uh, because you would look out for our interests. And we know that something that is so minor as $300 could have grown much larger because people would follow the GM's example. And he said based on that, he scratched out the uh, tenure and wrote 30-year in on the Chinese document. We're still there today. Uh, the point, two points there is, number one, we had missed some of the details of the contracts. Big error. Could have been a very costly error. Number two, by doing the right thing and uh, stepping up when something was done, even if it was a small thing, uh, the real trust started to build in the culture, and it saved us a great deal of money. By the so, same token, words, go ahead. No, go ahead. So, by the same token, as we worked in other countries. Uh, we had some in Ecuador problems with renegotiating a contract for one of our hotels that had been there, and the team just had given up. And one of the staff said, you know, what this individual wants is a visit from you, Ed, and it's not a visit from Ed, it's a visit from Marriott at a very level, uh, high-level title. And I wound up going down, spending two days with the owner, not in the main city of Quito, but in his own hometown, just wandering around, looking at some of his businesses, having lunch, talking. At the end of the two days, he was ready to sign the contract. We had not talked about one term. It was about paying attention, developing a relationship, and being sensitive to his culture. And we wasted a lot of man hours and time without seeing the issue was really he wanted someone to tell him that he was recognized and appreciated at the highest level of our company. And there are tons. So of relationships stories. and connected relationships and connectedness are still important features. What you're saying is in business, you still have to stay connected, in, and there has to be in, yeah, essential. has to be that kind of. Mm-hmm. And so many of those be- examples are in the book, uh, You Can't Lead With Your Feet on the Desk, which is really talking about going in, spending time. And it's not only spending time uh, with people as you're going out to make contracts, spending time with your employees and standing by them and building relationships there. Uh, probably, I don't know how much time we have, but probably the most clear-cut example of success was during the Cairo uh, uprisings. Uh, we we went over to be there with our people. Uh, we had seven hotels at the time, and we were down in Taba Heights, and as we came back to Cairo, uh, the team uh, had sent somebody to get us very quickly, and we got back to the hotel which was then surrounded by the military, and uh, the team was standing in the courtyard, and I said, what's going on? They said, well, the Minister of Interior had pulled all the police off the hotel. We could not secure the hotel, 
three, two hotels burned during that time, and one uh, had a tragedy within it. And we have 600 guests here. I said, so what did you do? The GM was in Boston having open heart surgery. So the executive... We have one minute left. I hate to cut you. And uh, so we brought the culinarians out. They stood at the gate as well as the housekeepers and the engineers. And they held those gates for four hours, uh, keeping the people out until the military arrived. And they said the reason that is they a great that is that is and, and we we have thirty seconds left. I hate to cut you off, but that's a great story. I mean, I think that sort of sums it all up. And I just want you to give us a website that we can go to. Um, so, uh, yeah. Well, two websites: uh, edfuller.com, uh, also redhotel.com, and also you can't lead with your feet on the desk.com. Great. Ed, thanks so and much for being on the show are today. On Amazon. Amazon bookstores everywhere. Thank you so much. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to the Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm. 